evening and welcome to tonight's edition of Resistance TV. We're not doing a live broadcast this evening because everybody's busy preparing for the Festival of Resistance in Nottingham at the weekend. So instead, we've compiled this series of interview clips with some of the speakers who'll be addressing the festival. Thanks for agreeing to speak at the, uh, the Festival of Resistance, uh, Green. Can you just sort of say why you've agreed to speak at the Festival of Resistance? Well, firstly, what we have seen over the past few years of the Jeremy Corbyn leadership of the Labour Party is an attritional cleansing of the party of the people who are most likely to have supported him in the pivotal and critical moments. And you have seen that cleansing of the party arranged in a very sophisticated and vindictive way. And so what that has meant is that this party increased its membership to over half a million people in a really unprecedented way because of this leadership. You had the PLP completely out of step with what the leadership wanted but the membership in step with what the leadership wanted and in fact pushing the leadership even further so what had to happen was this assertion of power against the membership had to take place and so those of us who were supportive of Corbyn who are supportive of a pro-people um, way of arranging society who are supportive of reallocating um, public funds in the direction of socially useful um, causes have now found ourselves on that periphery again of the parameters of political possibility. What we need to engage with is a long-term political education program whereby we can build this movement really outside of the existing political process and get as many people involved as possible, get young people involved, get people from uh, all walks of life that are really just left to the side of the political system and, and build a, a, a serious political program. Now, the step to doing that is things like the Resist Festival. Obviously, a great injustice has been done to you, Chris, and to many, many others. You know, there are many others who are in far less visible positions than yourself or myself or others who are going to be speaking on this panel who have been absolutely dragged through really traumatic situations literally because they believe in a more equal society that's been the only reason that this has happened to so many people and on such a level and so what we have to do is we have to band together and collectivize as much as possible. And this festival is definitely a route through which we can do that. One of the things that you're going to be focusing on at the Festival of Resistance is the need to resist imperialism. Can you just say a bit about what, why you think it's important that we resist imperialism? Well, I think our understanding of the way the, the power structure that Britain is a part of imposes itself upon the rest of the world is largely shaped by forces that are trying to reconfigure it as a form of sort of noble intentioned incompetence. So what you'll have is rather than understanding the occupation of Iraq in 2003 as a corporate looting bonanza, which led to 
billions really being instantly siphoned off into U.S. corporations close to the U.S. government, in some cases, even with members of George Bush's administration on the boards of them, um, corporations close to the British government also instantly getting no bid contracts that they even in some cases didn't even end up working on. Instead of understanding war as a transfer of funds towards the already richest in the society, and even looking at, for example, something like Abu Ghraib, we look at the torture that took place there, and we um, instinctively are horrified by it. What we don't look at is the fact that Khaki International, the company with at Abu Ghraib, went on to do the census for Scotland in 2008 to 2010. What we don't look at is that Lockheed Martin, the very company that has interrogators at Guantanamo Bay, the very company that actually increased its value by 1,200% throughout the war on terror, a, a war which increased deaths from terrorism by over 4,000%. Um, not only were the interrogators at Guantanamo Bay, but also then did the census in Britain in 2010. Not only do we look at you know, a company set up by the CIA like Palantir, did intelligence operations in both Iraq and Afghanistan, now has access to our NHS data. We do not understand the relationship between us and the imperial reaches as a laboratory to application type of relationship because these organizations are so successfully invisibilized and in some cases sanitized by our existing media. And so what you have is the remixing of the Iraq war rather than being a sort of corporate laboratory of unregulated commercial activity with an incoherent social contract, it's understood or it's sort of remixed by these, you know, this series like Once Upon a Time in Iraq by the BBC as essentially noble intentioned incompetence. Rather than understanding it as an economic arrangement, we understand it as noble intentioned incompetence because that is what is pushed forward by our media in this country. In addition to that, when we look at Britain as a state that has 104 military bases worldwide and has a network of tax havens, which account for over 37% of all losses that governments face because of tax evasion, then we really have to question this whole notion of what kind of force is Britain in the world. And the problem is, is that is the sort of commonsensical mainstream. Of course, Britain's a force for good in the world. Of course, any uh, terrible consequences of what Britain does in the world is just because of this noble intentioned incompetence. Well, actually, what we need to do is pierce through that very clearly and say, what we're saying is how did this place which is limited in terms of natural resources, which is limited in terms of human resources, come to become the world's number one economy. How it did that through occupying 14 million miles of the planet. And today we are returning to a more natural equilibrium economically of world power. Now that's gonna be something when Britain falls out of the top 10 
our largest economies, the 20 fastest growing economies, none of them in Europe, several of them are former British colonies. How is Britain going to interact with the rest of the world? It has the British Museum full of the, the spoils of its colonial relationship with the rest of the world, but yet it doesn't have this literacy in dealing with the new realities which are presenting themselves. And so actually what we'll be arguing for is we're not hurting anyone. We're not telling anyone that they're bad people. We're saying this is the arrangement through which this country became what it is. These, these are the aspects of that sort of residue that still exists. And this is the way that we need to think about it and that young people being educated in this society need to understand this country's place in the world. And what do you think you just sort of say why you've decided to support the Festival of Resistance? Why are you speaking there? Well, first off, I support what, what you do, Chris, and have since you were a member of parliament and I was aware of your work. Um, and it's important that people stand up to the dominant forces, the dominant political forces in our countries. Uh, the two-party system in the U.S. has betrayed the American public, and we can see that the problem in Washington continues to not necessarily be polarization, as the pundits say, but continuity and bipartisan consensus on issues like sanctioning one-third of the world's population because their governments, the governments they live under, defy American hegemony. We see the Biden administration continuing the Trump's maximum pressure policy on Cuba and on Iran. And as it bows to the will of the American public on Afghanistan and pulls troops out, it is enacting a second pivot to Asia more aggressively than ever before to the point that we have now learned that US troops were inside Taiwan, which is on an international legal level, the same as China having troops inside Hawaii or California, because Taiwan is part of China. So we are at a precipice on the international stage because of continuity between the Trump and Biden administrations. And it's time to stand up against an unelected permanent militaristic bureaucracy that insists on preserving empire at any cost including at a cost to education, infrastructure, and healthcare in this country, using Australia, the UK, and the Five Eyes states as its, little, as its little vassals. And as we can see with the AUKUS deal, the US wants to fight a war with China down to the last Australian, and with the full consent of the Morrison government. Um, also joining this festival because We've, we're increasingly facing a kind of sanctions inside our own countries against the backdrop of the pandemic, where a caste system is being reinforced through two-tiered biomedical segregation as a passport system is being constructed, which I find incredibly dangerous. And I think it's important to speak out against this, uh, the onset of this system, every platform possible. And I really appreciate you sticking your neck out on this issue too, Chris. Uh, we are really at an inflection point this year. We've seen so much happen just this week. Um, we're speaking on a Saturday just this week. We saw a very curious leak of information through an outlet, the International Consor 
consortium of uh, investigative journalism, which is backed by intelligence adjacent billionaires like Pierre Omidyar on uh, corruption, mostly in countries that the US considers enemy states. And now <clears throat> we're seeing new legal strictures on the international stage following this highly choreographed leak. At the same time, a fake whistleblower appeared before Congress to push more, <clears throat> more censorship and government control over social media platforms like Facebook without breaking up these massive capitalist monopolies. And these are operations, psychological operations designed to advance neoliberal control and advance imperial control behind the guise of whistleblowing, the kind of things we associate with true dissidents and rebels and revolutionaries like Julian Assange or Edward Snowden, behind the guise of investigative journalism, what we do at the gray zone, but in the service of empire, in the service of censorship on behalf of big tech. So it's important to call out these psychological operations, these this, this facet of information war uh, and to do it in unity with other dynamic activists, thinkers, journalists, and, and workers. And that's what I think you're bringing together at this festival. No, thanks, thanks for that, uh, Max. We're certainly looking forward to uh, hearing your contribution and you're going to be explicitly speaking about uh, uh, the importance of opposing uh, neoliberalism and the theme of our conference is why resist now so maybe you could just sort of say a few words max about why you think it's important that we explicitly resist neoliberalism at this moment in time well at this moment in time the neoliberal consensus is attempting to shore up its control as the Labour Party has been purged or is being purged of all who dissent against neoliberal, against that very consensus. Keir Starmer was brought in, someone with a prosecutorial background and close ties to the intelligence agencies, someone who was peripherally involved in the prosecution or persecution of Julian Assange, not to win elections, but to carry out that purge and to restore the Labour Party to its neoliberal form under Tony Blair. And now we're seeing that the purge is going beyond the Labour Party and affecting people like David Miller merely for exposing the Israel lobby. Those very same forces that came for Jeremy Corbyn are coming for academics and anyone in British society who challenges their rule. And it really is about neoliberalism. When they went after Ken Loach, ostensibly for his views on Palestine or for making a factually accurate film perdition on the transfer agreement, the Havara agreement between the Zionist movement and the government of Nazi Germany, absolutely factually accurate. They were really targeting someone who has been a champion of the working class, of the UK's working class and of the Irish working class and of Northern Ireland someone who has been a true threat to the British establishment, who has pull in Hollywood and in popular culture. And so it is about class. It is about neoliberalism, even if on the surface, it appears to be about an issue like Israel-Palestine. And of course, we need to look at Gaza as the ultimate, uh, most severe reflection 
of what neoliberalism can do to a people where they can be transformed into surplus humanity and warehoused indefinitely in a hyper-militarized high-tech cage, which is surveilled from all sides. As after visiting the Gaza Strip, I began to understand the concept of the Gazification of the global South and of our own societies as we see high-tech mechanisms of control creeping into our daily lives in ways we never previously expected before. So I think we need to consider neoliberalism as an all-encompassing program that extends beyond the economy into uh, the architecture of surveillance, into the intellectual boundary, into intellectual boundaries, and <clears throat> into our personal lives. If we don't call it out for what it is, stand up and resist it and imagine, or actually start, start uh, attempting to build the society that we imagine, we will be permanently mired in what can be called a kind of digital totalitarianism. Thanks for agreeing to speak at the Festival of Resistance, Joe. I wonder if you could just tell us uh, what made you agree to speak there. Hi, Chris. Yeah, well, really, um, I think now with the collapse of Project Corbyn, it's really the time for the left to finally and properly come together um, in one organisation, in united action, to offer to the working class a real alternative to the status quo. And you're speaking uh, on the uh, or at the workshop uh, uh, resisting the drumbeats to war. Why do you think it's important that we gang together, as it were, gather together to to challenge this uh, drive towards war with the Orcus deal and the various other imperialist projects that the, the government seems to be getting involved with? I think, firstly, uh, we need to be organised in raising the alarm amongst working people that this drive to war is serious and that the war that our imperialists are driving towards is going to be a huge war and potentially a world war with big powers like Russia and China. Number one, they don't threaten us in any way, uh, despite all the propaganda trying to make us think that they do. And number two, they are in a very good position to fight back. This won't be a war that's confined to small territories far away and other populations in the way that recent wars have been. This is a war that will definitely impact the British people directly. Uh, and we need to know that if we want to stop the war, we have to get together and organise collectively and refuse to, re uh, refuse to cooperate. It can be done. It has been done before, but it takes uh, a mass movement of non-cooperation to do it. And finally, are you, are you confident that we will prevail? I'm confident that it can be done. Whether it will be done in time to stop the drive to war really depends on us and the work that we do now. My area of uh, interest is the NHS. As a GP working in the National Health Service, um, over, the, over the last decade, I've become aware of the assault against the NHS. You know, you can't not notice now the NHS struggling, getting an appointment for the GP, uh, waiting times are going up yet there's hardly any discussion on mainstream media. And I endured the Labour Party conference. I made a special point of listening to Keir Starmer and John Ashworth, and they said absolutely nothing that alerts the public to the threat that's just round the corner, particularly with the health and care bill that's in Parliament at the moment. So why do you think the Festival of Resistance then is, uh, is an important forum to join in with the discussion on these issues? 
Well, there's many great speakers and I'm proud to be invited along to speak. Um, I think this is one of the few forums there are there that is willing and brave enough to, to shout these very important truths and uh, let the public become aware of what's going on. Because unfortunately, as I say, the political consensus is to allow the privatization to take place. The media aren't reporting it. And the Resistance Festival is a great outlet for for getting this across to the public. So why do you, do you say it's important then to resist NHS privatisation at this time? I mean, the theme of this conference is why resist now? So so why why are you saying we should resist the NHS privatisation at this moment in time? Well, the, the model the government uh, are pushing us towards is the American model, which is going to be twice as expensive, either through taxation or personal cost, because people will have to take out private insurance to replace those services that are no longer covered by the NHS. The system will be endemically fraudulent. We know that from looking across the pond that the American system is endemically fraudulent. There will be financial incentives to maximize profit through the denial of care. And the professions will be working in a corporate tyranny. They won't be able to put the patient's needs first. They have to put the corporate interests first. And that is morally damaging to doctors and nurses who have to work in such a system. So the victims will be the patients, clearly. The taxpayer will be ripped off. And the people working to try and deliver the care will also be victims of this outrageous betrayal of the public interest. Do you think it's possible to stop this privatisation juggernaut? Well, you have to believe it, it is possible. Um, you know, hope is there to give us the motivation to con continue fighting. But I, I believe if there's a significant mass of public awareness, then we can stop this. It's the, it's the lack of awareness, it's the imposed silence and ignorance that our politicians and media, unfortunately, have been guilty of. If we can shatter uh, and shed light into that darkness, then we have a chance. But we need a critical mass of informed and engaged and brave people to step forward and join the fight. And just finally, what's your thoughts about the official opposition then in the Houses of Parliament? I mean, are they stepping up to the plate, do you think, in challenging the privatisation agenda that the government is pursuing? Absolutely not. So, you know, unfortunately, the Labour Party's history on the NHS, um, certainly in the last few decades, has been atrocious. There was a short window of hope when Jeremy Corbyn was in leadership position we finally heard the word privatization mentioned in public, but since Starmer has taken over, that has all ceased. There is no opposition, and it's down to people like us to, to be the official opposition, I'm afraid, because there's a vacuum there. From what I can see, the current Labour leadership is totally on board with the privatization, which is shameful for the party that brought us the NHS to turn its back on the public, to turn its back on patients, and they know inevitably this will lead to mass harm, preventable harm and death. Uh, you know, we've seen enough of that through the pandemic and this will normalize it. Uh, XR is, is really um, one of our core principles about telling the truth. And um, quite a lot of the, as you say, the greedy ones um, are about obscuring the truth, um, about manufacturing a reality which does not, fit with what you see in the world around you um so for example denying climate science um denying the, the general consensus by 
most people actually, as well as most climate scientists, 97.1% of climate scientists all agree that not only is climate change a man-made problem, um, and it's actually happening, um, and yet there is a, a small proportion of people that are denying it and not telling the truth. So um, for XR scientists and for XR in general, telling the truth is an absolutely critical part of, of social change and, um, and, and what we need to be happening. So that's why I'm very, very keen to, to be involved in Resistance Festival, um, and I'm looking forward to speaking there. Yeah, well, we're we're looking forward to you coming. We've got um, well, hopefully Steve Gower from the Insulate Britain um, objective, which uh, this morning uh, closed down another road. Thank goodness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I feel sorry for the people that are that are put out by by our by our objectives and our protests. But get out of your cars and join us. You know, because this thing is we've got to put people above profit, haven't we? And so, right, um, but you're coming on the Saturday and the Sunday? Uh, I am, yes. And yeah. you're doing a workshop as well as a panel? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, I believe I'm joining. Um, I'm joining the, the the sort of one of the sessions and also doing a, a workshop as well. Yeah. So that's interactive. So everybody who is thinking about coming, um, Extinction Rebellion supporters, Extinction Rebellion members, political party members, not political party members, just ordinary people like we're ordinary people we we just decided that enough was enough and we have to do something so this is our contribution and come along and contribute as well so thank you very much for coming along chris mm. see you there yeah absolutely i look forward to seeing everyone there i mean it's going to be a fantastic discussion um we are you know I, i'm a teacher by trade so i'm going to be making it as interesting as i can physically make it um so if you really want an engaging session and you want to learn about how to how to deal with climate change deniers, I'm going to be teaching you some psychology and, and looking at, at that perspective. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to speak to you always, Chris. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm honored and very pleased to be part of this uh, of this project of this uh, of this whole of this uh, the Festival of Resistance. I think that um, in my case, you know, I I. Um, I was born and raised and educated uh, in this in the sphere of the of the um, of the oppressor. I mean, the free, the sphere of the, of the colonizer. That's that's where I'm from. That's my background. Um, being an Israeli and an Israeli with a family that was so involved with the creation, the establishment of the state of Israel. Um, I mean, I that's precisely I you know I fit that description perfectly. And then I was very fortunate that I was able to cross over from that particular sphere into the sphere of the other, of the colonized, of the occupied, and learn about the colonized, and then come to the realizations that I have, which is that there can be no justification, there can be no excuse, there can be no uh, legitimacy given to the colonization of Palestine, to the occupation of Palestine, to the oppression of the Palestinian people. Um, so in short, that was my journey. That was that's how I, you know, I, I went from 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 being very proud Zionist, the son of an Israeli general, to someone who stands very clearly rejecting Zionism and rejecting the state of Israel. 
and um, and that's what I do today. I mean, I support every uh, every effort to um, replace the state of Israel with a real dem democratic, uh, free Palestine, and so to to undo the apartheid regime and transform it into a real democracy um, on all of historic Palestine. Well, listen, we're delighted that you have agreed to speak at the Festival of Resistance, and I'm sure people will be interested to know why you've agreed, actually, to participate in this festival in Nottingham on the 16th and 17th of October. Perhaps you could just maybe set out what it was that made you agree to our invitation to, to speak there. Well, first of all, I, I have a great admiration for you and your work. And so if you when you approached me with something like this, I, I it was very clear to me that I was going to say yes. Um, I, I think your background, your work, your your efforts, your entire, you know, uh, your entire history is, is something that's admirable. And so I'm very pleased and very proud that you approached me. Um, I think that I, because I was in the UK over the last few years as the, um, the vicious campaign, uh, by the Zionists against like against you and others and against Jeremy Corbyn, of course, um, I, I saw it happening, and it was very clear um, that this was this was part of the, this was a Zionist strategy. The whole idea of the witch hunt, the whole idea of, of of targeting people of conscience within the Labour Party, people of conscience, people who stand up and speak for Palestine, and not only Palestine, of course, because you do other things, you speak for other issues, um, as did Jeremy Corbyn and others. Um, and so to stand up and to talk about that and to resist that and to stand up against this, it, it's a very, it was a very powerful and continues to be a very, very powerful strategy, a very, very vicious campaign. Uh, sadly, we saw that they had a great deal of victories. In other words, it was a successful campaign and they've taken pride in the fact um, they had a hand, they meaning the Zionists, the state of Israel had a hand in, in what has happened to the Labour Party. And the defeat of Jeremy and and, and yourself, um, and so I I'm, I'm I'm very pleased to be part of this to stand up and speak and speak to that. Well, we're pleased to have you, uh, Miko, and I know that you're going to be speaking explicitly about the importance of resisting uh, witch hunts. We have a wide ranging uh, number of topics that we'll be dealing with, and the theme of the uh, the weekend, the theme of the festival, is why resist now. And as you know, Miko, the the witch hunt has, has extended well beyond the Labour Party now. Academics are being targeted up and down the country. A highly respected academic, for example, in the form of Professor David Miller, has just been fired from Bristol University, even though an independent inquiry found that he hadn't contravened the equalities legislation, that he hadn't said anything that was remotely anti-Semitic. And yet Bristol University, because of pressure from the Zionist lobby, from parliamentarians, uh, from a range of different powerful vested interests, they took the cowardly view to say that they were going to fire, uh, fire David on the basis that he hadn't reached or maintained the standards required by Bristol University. So I wonder whether you could maybe just say for those watching this video, Miko, why you think it's important that we make a stand now against witch hunts? Why resist witch hunts at this moment in time? Well, again, I, th I think, you know, you as an, as an example, again, you've been standing up against the switch on for a very long time. It's not just it's not starting right now, but um, um, the need to stand up is because there is no status quo. In other words, the Zionists are, are, are viciously and brutally moving forward with their campaign 
of smear against good people who dare to stand up against Zionism and dare to stand up for Palestinian rights. And the, the, the longer we wait, the, the, the more difficult it's going to be because they are gaining more and more victories. And so to stand up clearly, um, as you have done, and all the people that you've invited and are going to be part of this, uh, of this event, is crucial. I mean, we need to take a stance. We need to tell people that this is wrong. We need to explain to people why this is wrong. We need to be out there speaking and resisting this vicious campaign, this very, very vicious uh, strategy that the Zionists have had uh, have put in place. Um, but the main thrust has, has got to be on prioritizing independent alternative media and deprioritizing the billionaire corporate media. So everything that we we do or most things that we do should now be focused on enlarging the independent um, alternative media um, because if we don't it, it would die off gradually or radically quickly but it will die off so ultimately the things we need to do are number one and i'm going to go straight to it here number one is funding we need people to ultimately dig deep into their pockets and to stop giving their money to the corporate media and start to give it to the independent media to make them sustainable, to keep them around longer. Um, there's so many people who work in independent media who are doing it almost entirely voluntarily because the resources aren't coming in. Um, and it's, it's extremely difficult. We, you know, we don't know whether we're going to be there from one year to the next. So the only way we can do that is to have people come forward, step forward and say, yeah, I'll give you two pound a month. I'll give you five pound a month, or whatever, or scattering it around to different places, to different independent media. But it has to be done. It is so, so, so important. The second thing we need to do is to volunteer time. If we have two or three hours a week, please step forward again and just, you know, with your skill set, take this is what I can do, um, and contact, you know, a local independent media or an independent media you particularly like, or one that fits more closely with, with, as I say, with your own skill set. But please, you know, the more people that can come forward, the more things that can be done. Um, you know, it's so, so, so important. Another thing we really need to do is to make sure that we publicize. And I'm not just talking about social media here. I'm talking about word of mouth. Tell people about independent media. Tell people about particular independent media that you enjoy. Absolutely vital. Again, because... The more expansive, the bigger we grow, the more powerful we become, the more we can compete with the, the corporate media and hopefully eventually push the corporate media into the peripheries and, and we take that space. But again, as I say, it's going to need a range of things. And, and the, the last thing is to share what's going on in your community. You know, obviously fact-based, but share it. Get the email addresses or with all sides specifically, you can submit directly to the site and then the facilitators will do the, the editing and the spell checks and all that sort of stuff, okay? But get That's what we're here that. for. That's what exactly. we're here for, isn't it? To to make sure that people's... It doesn't matter if you can't spell properly. It doesn't matter if, if, if you don't know how to put your story. That's what we're here for, to, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And please, you know, if you're already comfortable with with all these things you know the grammar the punctuation etc um but you know if you know there's people around you who aren't please reassure them I mean, we, we need the cross section in, in terms of ages it can't just be sort of you know the middle-aged to the older people who, who who step forward it must be 
young people are the future so let's get them involved as well let's feel that they're part of this um, and then the independent media will be around for a long long time otherwise no, it, it won't be brilliant thank you so much folks really appreciate this thanks for watching hope you enjoyed those clips and good night we